This is a fourth hand production. I do have another question, John. Sorry sure. to keep you. No, that's uh, okay. I'm, I'm here as long as you need. What's uh what's your favorite truck stop? My favorite truck stop. Because I've traveled all across the country, all across the world, and uh, <laughs> I, I definitely have my truck stops that I get, get excited about. There's one in Ozona, Texas, that serves a uh, huge metal tray of Tex-Mex that comes out swimming in grease and cheese, and it's mm-hmm. the best Mexican food you'll ever eat. That, that truck stop in Ozona, Texas, that has to be my favorite. <laughs> nice. <laughs> story in the news today you believe in ghosts and the paranormal now are they are they ufos or are they like some crazy experimental you know governmental i don't uh, know planes that they're building Police in Española are catching more than just criminals. They're catching images of what they believe are ghosts. This weird animal-like creature that was shot, wolf-like creature that just stood out in some odd ways. Welcome everybody to Strange Uncles. I am Shane. And I am John. I'm Josh. So secret you've yes. over there. Yes. <laughs> anyway, welcome everybody. Welcome to a new episode. Um, sorry about the jazz, by the way. I know they're playing now, but I think last weekend you guys didn't do great. Or it's um, been, a, been a shitty last few weeks, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's almost like uh, the couple of losses going into All Star Break and the loss on Sunday of made the joy of seeing Mike Conley become an all-star for the first time turn to ashes in my mouth. Yeah, I don't give a shit about that anymore. <laughs> oh, bummer. Well, I know. mean, I still love the dude. I mean, I, yeah, no, him, I, I still am happy for him and whatever, but it's like, who cares about a good first half of the season? Like, who, like, literally who cares? Yes, I want to win the championship. <laughs> I shouldn't yeah. have brought it up. <laughs> Just when I care about you, bro. So I'm like, oh, it's how like, are I mean, you doing? You know, you know all, like we're still in first and everything, but it's just like, uh, we're, but we're not we're in first by a million sh- miles. Yeah, we. Yeah, it's just like we're not dominating the teams we need to dominate, like we were. So I just don't want the people to be like, oh, that was just that was them peaking. Well, welcome to being a Seahawks fan. So it's about similar. So, yeah, Seahawks yeah. have championships, though, Shane. Yeah, so <laughs> well, <clears throat> it's not like yeah. being a Seahawks fan. It's like being a Jazz fan where we've never won a championship. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, you know. it's like being a Browns fan if the Browns had ever actually been good. Touche. Well, there was that one season. People thought. I don't know how that went. But anyway. I mean, but, I think weren't the Browns good for like half the season? They were. They, I'm not they saying that Jazz aren't going to be house. good for the next half. I, I hope also that, just... Realized I compared my beloved Utah Jazz to the Cleveland Browns and feel like I should be executed yeah, in the streets. Yeah, don't do that. Why don't uh, you bring up Cubs next? If we have a good first half and a shitty second half, who fucking cares? As long as yeah. we win a championship, I do not. My goals are are pretty reasonable. Just a championship, that's all. Yeah, but if we keep playing like we're playing, like that's not a championship caliber. Well, at least you guys have goals. And so that's anyway, the, um, that's yeah, well, we're not here to talk about the jazz. This <laughs> we're is not. a sports cast, so <laughs> it sounds like it might be. That's what you get, Shane, for asking us. I know. I've, God I've got my it. eye on the Boston game right now. Uh, I don't know. I, I know your loves for sure. 
But anyway, well, welcome to this episode. Um, we actually have a great guest on. Uh, actually, read his book. Just finished it like literally probably half hour before he had the episode. Um, great book. Great guest. His name is John Russell. Uh, and one of the first books he wrote was Riding with Ghosts, Angels, and the Spirits of the Dead. And, you know, we've had people on the show like this before where they're, they have the psychic ability. They kind of tune in to the other side. But with him, it's kind of cool because he's he really mixes, like, the travel. He's a biker, been on the road. I, how many miles did he say is on Melissa now? 114,000. That is a lot of miles. That's a lot of yeah. miles. Yeah, for sure. So anyway, um, we have him coming up on the interview. Um, interesting character. lives out of Florida. He's had over 800 paranormal experiences, uh, again, with his bike combined. It's really kind of neat because there's travel involved with all these encounters that he has. Uh, and there were stories that I wanted to get into, guys, that I, I didn't. You know, I read the book, and I, but we just kind of ran out of time. But hopefully we hit the high points of the whole thing. But without further ado, unless you guys have nothing else, uh, we are going to introduce John Russell who is a world-renowned psychic. You'll hear it in the intro and um, open the gates. I have nothing else. Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So John Russell has been an internationally known professional psychic for almost half a century working with clients around the world. He has also been a featured guest on many popular radio shows and recently filmed a TV pilot for the History Channel in which he psychically explored the assassination of President Abraham Lincoln, which there's a quick story I want to go into once we have you on, John. Um, He's also, which is really neat, he's been an avid motorcyclist for over 50 years and has combined that with his love for the paranormal and wherever the bike takes him for all these journeys uh, around the country, which, you know, we find amazing. So, you know, with that being said, John Russell, thank you very much for coming on Strange Uncles. Oh, uh, Strange Uncles. I love the title of that. I'm glad you guys have me on. I'm looking forward to it. It's great to be here. Thank you. Yeah, no, no worries. Like I said, it's good. Thank you for coming today, that's for sure. Um, I guess, you know, we asked this a lot of our guests in the very beginning of kind of your background, you know. So I read the book. Uh, ahead of time and it actually is you've got two and you're working on a third one correct correct okay so the book that i read uh is writing with ghosts angels and the spirits of the dead by john russell uh you know very interesting very straight to the point and i find it neat that you combine melissa into it which you know we'll talk a little bit into the interview and with you on board because i I find that kind of the coolest part of it um if you just kind of want to start about how you got into this and maybe some of your first experiences and how it affected you and we can kind of go from there well i when i was about five years old five or six years old i was sound asleep in my bedroom and i woke up suddenly wide awake for no apparent reason and i couldn't figure that out and i raised up on my elbows and kind of looked around a little bit and my parents had left a nightlight on down the hallway and uh, in the nightlight glow peeking around one of the doorways in the hallway was this elderly black gentleman. Mm. And I screamed bloody murder because my family was white. We didn't have anyone black living with us. I presumed that an intruder had entered the home. And when I screamed, uh, the old black ghost stepped around the doorway into the hall and moved closer to the bedroom. And he was as solid as you or I. I can tell you the clothes he had on. He had close, close cropped white hair, which is how I knew he was elderly. 
and uh, he had on a red plaid shirt. He had khaki pants, a black belt, and black shoes. And like I say, every bit as solid as you or I. He wasn't transparent, wasn't translucent, mm-hmm. wasn't misty. He was absolutely full-formed and solid. And I screamed bloody murder again, and I heard my parents come running. And as they came running, he began to disappear and begin to go translucent and then begin to be transparent and then finally just vanished. So uh, I, my fear was so real that I convinced my parents that it wasn't a bad dream, that there was somebody in the house. And my father actually looked in all the closets under the beds, checked the doors and windows, everything else. And uh, sure enough, there was nobody there in the flesh. And they tried to convince me that it was just a bad dream or whatever. And I knew it wasn't. I knew I had seen my first ghost. Did, did you and see so him again? Or rest- did you see him again after that or no? I have never seen that particular entity again, as far as I know. And uh, I spent the rest of the night wondering, was he going to come back? What did he want with me? Why did he show up in the first place? Was he going to scare me? Was he going to ask me to do something weird? He was like, what's the deal? So at that time, I began to have as a result of that experience, all of these paranormal manifestations occur in my life. And I mean, physically on the physical realm, not something I dreamed or daydreamed or hallucinated or imagined or meditated actual physical manifestations begin to occur in abundance. And simultaneously with that, I developed my psychic gift, became aware that I was psychic. And around six years old, I guess I began to be a a pretty creepy little bastard because uh, (laughs) I could tell people what they were thinking, where they had been, where they were going. I could predict their futures accurately and things like that. And uh, there was an incident that, uh, uh, when uh, some people came to visit my parents that I kind of freaked them out and they never came to visit my parents again. So that's when it all started. <laughs> there goes that dinner party. <laughs> That'll yeah, never, never happen exactly. Again. What wow. did your parents feel about that? Were they, did they kind of tell you to keep your mouth shut so you don't freak their friends out or were they kind of open to that? <laughs> well, let me, let me tell you about that experience and about my parents in general. My dad, who's actually my stepdad, uh, was kind of a closet believer, but He knew that if you believe in the paranormal, the wrath of the church would come down on you. And they were pretty Mm -hmm. steeped in the the classical church, classical religion. And my mother, my mother's side of the family was, uh, was very steeped in the paranormal. Uh, They, my gift went way back. The lineage went way back. A lot of people had experiences, had paranormal experiences and uh, not to the degree that I did and and not to the degree that my uh, psychic gift grew to be but there was that long lineage there. So she was very encouraging of it. And uh, my stepfather was actually very afraid of it. And what happened with the uh, uh, scaring the uh, the visitors that came, I guess I was about six, maybe seven. And I was out in the backyard playing and this car pulled into the driveway and I didn't recognize the car and I didn't recognize the people. So I ran into the house and I got mom and dad and I said, Hey, there's, there's somebody out here. I don't know who this is. And they come out and, oh, those are friends of ours. No, okay. So they came over and we were all standing outside and I was kind of standing there eavesdropping and and they were just making small talk with my parents prior to going inside to visit. And all of a sudden I just had this vision. I looked at him. I said, you know what? You guys have just been on vacation. And I said, you went in that car that's in the driveway. You took that car 
but you took two kids with you. I believe it was a boy and a girl. And I said, you don't have the kids with you now, but you took them with you on vacation. So I guess those are your kids. And I said, you went to this place. There was this two-story hotel, and it was painted white. And there were these trees up front that looked like this. And back in the back, there was this pool area that looked like this. And the guy looked at me pretty astonished, but his (laughs) wife looked at me with her eyes bugged out like I had cobras growing out of my nose. <laughs> and uh, and my, my parents were like, hush, John, be quiet, John. Do, do what woman, we told you to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the woman looked at my parents and she said, how the hell could he possibly know that? And they said, what do you mean? And she goes, how the hell could he possibly know any of this? She said, we just went on vacation in our car with our kids, stayed at a hotel that looked exactly like he described, the pool area like he described, the trees in front like he described. And that's what we were coming to tell you about is this vacation we had just been on. How the hell could this kid possibly know that? And their response was, hush, John, go play. Right. So, yeah. so I did. And they went in and visited and to the best of my recollection, those people never came and visited again. So. <laughs> Hopefully they weren't close, close friends with your parents. If they are, I, I guess, you know, it well, is what it if, is. after that, they weren't, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Good going, John. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, so do you think you've got your ability? You know, you said your stepdad, I, I don't know if you ever knew your real father, but you think from your mom's side, more than likely and any history more, with more that? so from my mom's side. And yeah. then uh, I did, I didn't get to meet or, or actually talk to my biological father, but I was able to locate my biological mm. family in later years. And uh, they had some, some uh, familiarity with, uh, with the gift and with, with the paranormal experiences and so on and so forth. Wow. So, so maybe, you know, maybe you got it from bloodlines of both sides, which, you know, yeah. from what we know, you know, it makes it a little bit stronger of a perception right, for right. sure. So, yeah, that's amazing. Wow, wow, cool. Um, So one thing that I felt fascinating about your story and kind of your travels is the fact that it is something that all three of us love. You know, we really pair a lot of the – like we do explorations every now and again, trips, things like that. And, and of course, everything that we do is outside or it's in a location or whatever have you. And uh, it's all travel, you know, in its own way. And a lot of – I think the the key puzzle on your side is – you're traveling on your bike. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about that a little bit. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I've been a biker since I was about 15. And uh, ever since I was a kid, motion to me meant freedom and escape and adventure and enjoyment. And I used to beg my parents to take me for rides in the car. Let's just ride and ride and ride. Just drive around town. I don't care. You know, just, just whatever, just motion movement. And uh, I've always hated being inside. I hated school. I hated being cooped up in the classroom. So uh, when I got my first car, uh, I spent hours just just roaming, just driving aimlessly, you know, backcountry roads and and everything I could do. And I've always loved the wild. I've loved the woods, loved forests. Uh, If I could get out there and get away from everybody and get in touch with nature and in touch with the spiritual realm, uh, I was happy with that. So when I, like I say, I was about 15, 16, I got my first motorcycle and uh, fell totally, completely in love. And it was uh, light years from the car because with a motorcycle, gas is cheap. You know, it goes a long mm-hmm. way. Uh, you have the, uh, the freedom on a bike that you don't have any other way. You're out there in the open. You're in contact with everything. 
And so that began my love affair with two wheels and something I've continued my entire life. And then on my current bike, Melissa, uh, we have have close to 114,000 miles now. And wow. uh, yeah, and it's, uh, I had uh, started uh, a project with my producer. We had shot a TV pilot for the History Channel. We can talk about that later if you want to. And unfortunately, that never aired. And I became friends with my producer, and we continued to work on projects to try and get my uh, my psychic gifts on the air on TV. So um, he said, you know, why don't you, I've had over 800 by now, well over 1,000 paranormal experiences. And he said, why don't you write up a few of these, just terse little snippets, do a little blog, and it's something that we can refer to uh, producers, um, you know, whatever, when we approach shows, that's another sales tool in essence that we can use. So I started doing that. And about that time, now I've had all these paranormal experiences my entire life, but about that time I began to have these paranormal experiences that were specific to the bike and the riding Mm -hmm. uh, or somehow connected with that. And I began to write a few of those, but in very brief form. And I continue to have more and more of those experiences. I say, you know what? I've got to take these, expand them into the full experience, what I, what I learned from it, um, and put them together into a book and make it a, a cogent thing. And so that's what I did. And that's how writing with Ghost Angels and the Spirits of the Dead came about. Yeah. No. And so quick side question. You were able, I, I think at the end of that book, um, Melissa was down for the count a little bit. I take you were able to get yeah, repaired yeah, and back up yeah. and running. Yeah, she was down for the count, and uh, yeah, she's repaired and, and back up and running now. And uh, unfortunately, I'm a little bit down for the count. <laughs> I've had these uh, these bizarre health issues my entire life, and the funny thing about that is, uh, no matter what chronic health condition I've been dealing with, I've been able to manifest healing for other people, hmm. and I haven't been able to do a damn thing for myself. So uh, I'm a little bit down for the count, but Melissa's up and running good now. (laughs) And like she, I'd hop on her and go to California and back from Florida. No, no qualms whatsoever. She's in great shape, but I'm not in in that great shape at the moment. So uh, that's a little frustrating to deal with. I'll give you a dramatic example. Um, This is in my, uh, my second book, Knock in the Attic, which is out now. And I write about this, but I'll give you an example of uh, being able to heal others and, and not help myself. Um, some of the, the healing I've been able to, uh, to manifest for other people has been pretty dramatic and uh, some kind of mundane. And this was kind of mundane, but, but not really. It was kind of dramatic. Uh, I had this buddy uh, that I was staying with before I moved to New York. And we were uh, good drinking buddies, good friends. And we were out at the bar, one of our favorite bars. And one of the waitresses there came up to us one night and she just flopped down on the bar with us. And she said, would you look at this? And she pointed at her lip and she had this cold sore, this fever blister that was like a goiter. And she said, look at this. It's like a goiter on my lip. And it was, it was like hideous. It was monster big and red and inflamed. And, and she was just, you know, aghast and it had just started. So, you know, when you got a a fever blister of that magnitude, even with medication, it's not going to go away for a week, week and a half, two weeks, you know, minimum. She said, what am I going to do? And I said, well, I'll tell you what. I said, if you don't mind, uh, let me zap some healing energy into that. 
And she goes, well, what are you talking about? And I said, I'll show you. I said, here. And so I, I put all my energy into my forefinger, held it about half an inch from the, the fever blister and zapped this healing energy into it. And I said, there you go. I said, did you feel anything? She said, yeah, it started tingling. And uh, I said, okay, good. That means it's working. She said, what did you do? And I said, oh, it's just a, um, it's just an old Indian trick that I learned. I passed it off that way. And she said, yeah, okay, whatever. And so the very next night, my buddy and I went back in there again. She'd come running up to us at the bar and she goes, my God, look at my lip. And it was absolutely, totally, completely healed, mm-hmm. totally mm-hmm. smooth, nothing there. And she said, what did you do? And I said, well, like I said, just an old engine trick. And my buddy looked at me and he goes, that's some weird shit, John. <laughs> <laughs> so I have been back. able to do that for other people and hadn't been able to do much for myself, oddly enough. Yeah. Well, that, well, hopefully, hopefully health gets, well, you know, we're sorry to hear that, John, for sure. But um, I appreciate it. You know, amazing stories with that. Um, there was a story actually in your book that, that I read, actually one of the first ones that really kind of caught to me. Do you want to talk a little bit about banana? Oh, yeah, banana. That was really bizarre. I had a lucid dream in which I was riding Melissa, and we're going down the Florida backcountry roads, and I love these Florida backcountry roads. They're straight and they're flat, and the scenery to me is really wonderful and uh hardly ever any traffic on these backcountry roads. So that's what I'm doing in my dream. And the dream is so lucid, so real. I can feel myself sitting in the saddle on the bike. I can feel the handlebars. I can feel the wind on my face and and the vibration of the bike as I'm going down the road. So I'm thinking, man, this is a marvelous dream. I'm not going to try and control it or anything. I'm just going to see where it goes. So I see up in the distance in this dream on the road, uh, a small green rectangular city limit sign. And I'm like, okay, well, I wonder what that's going to say. So I slow Melissa down in my dream and, and stop to read the sign and the sign reads banana. Hmm. And I said, okay, guys, I said, now look, I, you know, bananas, a, a tropical term here in Florida, you know, we've got all kinds of banana, this banana, that uh, my neighbors actually had a banana tree growing in their yard Uh, banana trees grow wild in the state parks. I've actually seen bananas growing on them in the state parks. So I said, I realized that has a a tropical connotation and I love bananas as a, as a fruit. I said, you know, you give me a good banana split. I'm in heaven. But I said, guys, come on in the stream. You lead me to this sign that says banana, you know, how cliche is that? You know, I said, if, if an editor were to read my book and I was writing a novel and I had the character live in Banana, Florida. They'd throw it in the trash can. They wouldn't even look at us. Come on, guys, what is this? So in my dream, I'm thinking this, and I fire the bike back up, and I go on down past the road, and I'm thinking, Banana, how ridiculous. So a little ways down the road, I see over to my right uh, all of these tombstones, and some of them are extremely old and weathered, and uh, there's different sizes, all different sizes and shape. And I stop and I look at them, and the dates go way back, some into the 1800s and stuff. And uh, I said, wow, what is this? And, and uh, so, okay, so I go on down the road, and I wind up at this place that I can't really describe. I can't really make sense out of. It's, it's kind of like a, like a store or a, a little cafe or something. And um, in there, I meet this friend of mine from Texas, and we're talking. And 
to me, it's like, well, this is weird because banana no longer even exists in its own dream. Or I'm at down the road, it's like bananas vanished. And, and what kind of a dream is this to have this cliche to begin with? And then to, um, you know, to, to have this, this place in my dream vanish and not even exist anymore. I said, this is one of the strangest dreams I've ever had. So I say goodbye to my friend. I fire up the bike, go down the road and wake up. Hmm. And I, I'm like banana and I go back to sleep. So uh, the next morning I wake up and I tell the old lady about the dream. And I said, wouldn't it be something if there, if there was a banana Florida? And she said, come on, there can't be a banana Florida. That's too ridiculous. It's too much. <laughs> too obvious. Uh, too obvious. Yes. And I said, but you know, come on, let's, let's let me, I'm just going to go look. I'm just, so I hop out of bed and I run across the house, go to my office, fire up the computer, enter banana Florida. And lo and behold, up, up pop two links for, Banana, Florida, hmm. which is now Melrose, but back then was banana. And I'm like, oh my God. I said, somebody has communicated to me in this dream a place that is real, that does exist, that actually is there. And I'm going to go right now. So I told her, I said, I got to go. So I went, got dressed, fired up the bike, and uh, went to find banana. So uh, I'm bouncing around the town, which is now Melrose. And I make a few wrong turns and I'm, I'm trying to rely on my psychic gift and figure out where I'm supposed to be. And I look at uh, some uh, historical markers and they're the wrong thing. And I wind up heading out of town. I'm like, okay, that didn't work. And I come back in and I hit the stoplight and like, I'm supposed to turn right here. So I do. And I go up the road a ways and there is the cemetery from in my dream on the right hand <laughs> side of the road big markers, little markers, old weathered stones going back into the 1800s, so on and so forth. So I stop and I pull into the parking lot and there's a historical marker. And the historical marker tells the story of the farming community of Banana, Florida. Hmm. I'm like, my God. And all I can do is sit there on the idling bike and just, I read the sign over and over and I look out into the cemetery and I'm like, oh my God. So I dismount uh, get off the bike, go into the cemetery, and there's all these old tombstones dating back to the 1800s. Some of them are hand-inscribed, like you'd take a nail and white, write in wet concrete or whatever. And uh, I wander around there, and the uh, cemetery workers come up and say, hey, make sure you see the Iron Cross from the Civil War veteran and, and all of this. And it's like, oh, my God. So I go around, I see the evidence of this dream that literally was true, and I asked the guys on the other side, I say, okay, what's the deal? Why am I here? And I'm like everybody else. I like all my answers, neat, tidy, pat, and yesterday. And, <laughs> right, right. And the guys tell me, we're not going to tell you. You're going to have to come back more times to get all the answers and to figure out everything that's fully involved here and all the reasons that we're communicating this to you. I'm like, well, geez, that's that's just wonderful. So uh, I go back a second time and I get a little bit more information, a little bit more guidance. And then I have not been back the third time yet, but that's on my agenda to get there now and see what else develops from banana. So that's banana. Wow. Uh, I, so we're going to take a quick break, but I think when we come back, we've got a quick question for you. And then of course, you know, more stories and everything you have to offer, John, you know, amazing stuff. Um, so if you want to stand by with us, we'll be back in, uh, we'll be back in a little bit. Absolutely. Believe in UFOs? 
felt that chill up your spine that you just can't explain. Contemplate the other side of reality. Do you shake your head at the world that seems to have lost its common sense? Well, look no further than Strange Uncles. Find them on all podcast platforms and call their hotline to tell your side of reality at 801-252-6945. Open the gates. All right, and we're back with John Russell, um, again, author of Writing with Ghosts, Angels, and the Spirits of the Dead, uh, also Knock in the Attic, correct, I think? Is the newest, right, newest one? Knock in the Attic, right. And then you have third one coming out. Um, and again, we've only read one, but we were talking about your intuitions. We're talking about what, and you call it the other side. Some people call it different things. Sure. When you have that contact, like they're leading you somewhere. You're not sure where they're leading you, and maybe the answer isn't really found that day or that time. What does that look like? Like how many things I, I guess are still pending or hanging out there that you you felt drawn to something, you went somewhere, you feel like the other side led you there, but you still don't have that answer you need. Is that more common than not for you or no? It's actually pretty rare. Most of the time I get every, everything I need when I go. Uh, banana was the exception to that and that there seem to be a lot of spiritual lessons or life lessons or manifestations or whatever that are associated with that, that the other side wants me to experience and wants to teach me. And it, it feels like an ongoing project, but I usually don't have many of those. Usually everything wraps up in a, a, a pretty good package right away. Mm-hmm. Um, when you head out on the road and you take these trips and adventures, do you, usually have a place in mind that you want to go to, or do you kind of like set out like, you know, I'm going to go, I guess you're in Florida. So I'm going to go West and I'm going to travel down the 40 and, you know, just like follow your intuition and be like, I, I think right. I'm going to pull off on exit three twenty four or whatever. Like, or do you like, I'm going to go to Rachel, Nevada, you know? Sure. It's a, John, it's actually a combination of that. Uh, most of the time when I ride, it's whichever way the wind's blowing. Mm-hmm. And I count on my intuition to lead me to places that are going to be interesting, have some manifestations, something of that nature. But then I do um, set out sometimes to deliberately go to a location. Like I went to a Bonaventure Cemetery in, uh, in Georgia. And uh, so uh, there's uh, sometimes that I decide I'm going to go visit a specific location and uh, do, you know, a specific paranormal investigation at that location. Mm. And then other times it's just like, okay, guys, where are we going today? So a little bit of both. Yeah. Mm. Nice. Interesting. Where have, uh, where's some of your favorite spots you've been? Oh, I have something to say, that you've uh, ran into completely randomly. You had no idea about, and you know, you got on your bike and you just ran into this place. Right. Um, that would be Tallahassee, going to Tallahassee, Florida. Mm-hmm. I had had this urge to ride to Tallahassee, and I didn't know why. So I scheduled myself a day off and uh, uh, got on the bike, and it was like, okay, here we go. Don't know what's going to happen. Don't know why I'm led there. And the interesting thing was that en route to Tallahassee, I see – uh, the uh, Tallahassee Automobile Museum, which is a good ways outside of Tallahassee. And I feel this psychic urge on my radar to pull into this museum, this automobile museum. 
So I'm like, well, guys, have I missed it? Have I misunderstood? You know, I'm under the impression I'm supposed to go to Tallahassee. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I like cars, but I'm a bike guy. I'm not a car guy. This is primarily a car museum. So why in the world am I here? But I've learned that when the guys speak to me to listen. So I pull into the museum and uh, get off the bike and uh, go inside. And one of the very first things I see confirms the reason as to why I was led to go there that day. And Tallahassee was just the carrot on the stick to get me going in that direction so that I would see the museum and then go in. When I had uh, shot the TV pilot for the History Channel and was psychically investigating the, the assassination of Abraham Lincoln, one of the things I was obsessed with for some bizarre reason was the whereabouts of Lincoln's funeral coach. And nobody seemed to know where it was. And it was something that stayed with me and stuck with me. And it bothered me all these years. And so what is the first thing I see when I go in the Tallahassee Automobile Museum, sitting down on the first floor right in front of me is the funeral hearse that drew Abraham Lincoln's body, that carried Abraham Lincoln's body. And so that's why I was led there across these thousands of miles and years later was to achieve that closure and for the other side to teach me and my readers that, you know, hey, we see, we hear, we listen, we know, and uh, and we can answer some things. We can lead you and guide you uh, for some things. And uh, here's, here's your, uh, you know, finale for this thing. This wraps this up for you and gives you closure on this. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me. I uh, sometimes I'm just I'm led like that. They say here, go here and and uh, go in this direction, and uh, that was a, a phenomenal experience there, that arose out of something entirely unexpected, someplace mm-hmm. I didn't expect to be here to wind up, and then sometimes I, I like I set out to deliberately explore uh, Bonaventure Cemetery in, in uh, Savannah, Georgia, and I went there and uh, I took uh, ghost photographs and I recorded EVP, and uh, I was at the the back of the cemetery, and I turned around, and there was this little grave that was about two foot long, and this little kid had died when he was like one or two years old, something like that, and, uh, you know, I'm here I am. I'm this old grizzled biker, old broken down rascal, and ain't got enough sense to spit, and I thought, you know, I've lived all these years of life, and here this little kid died at the age of one or two, and it just wrecked me. It just tore me up. And uh, I said, damn. And uh, so I was standing there and I was thinking about the parents. They have this kid and it's a while we have this child and what's he going to grow up to be? And, oh, God, we love him. And then, boom, you know, gone. And it it just tore me up. And uh, so I, I did my final EVP of the day and I said, does anybody have anything to say? And I let the recorder run and um, I stopped it and then rode back home from Savannah so the next day I upload all my uh, pictures and no ghost, darn it. And <laughs> I listened to my EVPs and I'd recorded, I don't know, nine, 10, 12, whatever. And I hadn't got anything at all till I got to the EVP where I was standing over that little grave and I had cursed the reaper and the voice of the EVP says, are you angry? Hmm. I was oh, like, wow, I got yeah. chill bumps over that one. <laughs> it was yeah. like, because they were either hearing me or reading my mind or both. And they knew that I was, you know, so upset that this child had died. And uh, are you angry? And I was like, yeah, yeah, well, (laughs) so that was a neat experience. So sometimes I deliberately go places. Sometimes I just go with the wind where the guys lead me and, and let whatever happens happen. 
That's amazing. I, I think more jealousy than anything on our side. I mean, <laughs> to, be, to be able to combine the two, I mean, that's just absolutely amazing. It's awesome. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's, oh, it's really neat. Man, I can imagine. Um, if you don't mind, John, we want to shift gears a little bit because that's not all you really focus on. And in the book, sure. you've had one or two experiences with it. But do you want to talk about UFOs? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it's one of your talking points, but I do want to – we kind of want to get into – um, some viewpoints you have. You touch on something in the book again, not to give away listeners. Um, sure, great book, sure. by the way. Writing with Ghosts, Angels, Thank and you. the Spirit of the Dead. Really easy read. Um, just well laid out. Nice little stories. But you do it. mention UFOs in there. Yeah, yeah. I didn't believe in UFOs. I was in my late teens, I guess, early twenties, somewhere around in there. And I had had all of these physical paranormal manifestations and other people had seen them and experienced them. And we had caught them on film and we had recorded them and so on and so forth. But I did not believe in UFOs for some bizarre reason. I just did not. Uh, I had seen the testimonies. I had read the stories, read the books, seen the interviews. It's like, no, nothing convinces me. Hmm. So, um, uh, I can go ahead and tell the story. It's in the book, but it's it, it it won't give away the entire book. And then we'll segue into some thoughts on UFOs after that. And it's not the only UFO experience I've had. I've had several, but uh, the one that made me change religions, that made me switch denominations, uh, I have to give you the background of it because just the sighting itself was bizarre enough. But what led up to it, and I think was connected to the sighting, uh, was really incredible. I was in this building and I came out and uh, I wasn't on the bike. I was in my car that day and it was a narrow two lane street and across the street was the parking lot. My car was in, I could see the car. I could, uh, from where I was at, I could look out and see my car. It wasn't that far. And uh, the first thing that hit me in the face when I opened the door was this big blast of wind, this big gust of wind. And I was like, Oh wow. You know, I was living in West Texas at the time. So we have all these tornadoes. We have all these bad weather and thunderstorms. So I was like, well, must be in for a storm. And I looked up and it's overcast and the clouds are hanging down low and getting dark. So um, I said, okay, well, better run for my car. And as I start to go toward the car, I look over and in the parking lot, coming down from the clouds above, like in a column, but still attached to the clouds above, is this big kind of a tunnel or cylinder of this cloud. And it's resting, actually touching, resting in the parking lot by my car. And I'm like, okay, is this a mini tornado? Is this a, what in the world is this? Well, while I'm standing there looking at this thing, trying to figure it out, uh, from within the cloud and pushing outward, but not leaving the cloud, come these glowing orbs of light, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, and purple. And they are like luminescent, iridescent. And they come forth, kind of push out of the cloud a little ways and then recede back into the cloud. So I said, okay, I'm this young, but I've either had a stroke or I've gone nuts or I've gone crazy. This cannot be happening. And then I noticed that around the base of the cloud in the parking lot, there's all this debris which should have been whirling or blowing around or whatever, and it's completely still. Hmm. Nothing is blowing, nothing's moving. I said, okay, this is really odd. And then I get this really bizarre urge, this irrational urge to walk toward the cloud. So I take several steps forward and the cloud moves toward me and I back up and the cloud backs up. I move toward it. It moves toward me. I back up and the cloud backs up. Like a mirror. So I'm like, 
okay, what is going on here? Well, about this time, the door opens up, and this this friend of mine comes out, whacks me in the back with the door, and he goes, oh, sorry, what are you doing standing as close to the door? And without waiting for me to answer, he looks up, and he goes, oh, wow, looks like we're in for a storm. And then he looks over in the parking lot, and he sees it, and he goes, what in the world is that? So I know now I'm not nuts or hallucinating. So I said, yeah, but watch this. And I walk towards the cloud, it moves toward me. I back up and it backs up. I walk toward the cloud, it moves toward me. I back up and it backs up. I look at him and I said, isn't that the weirdest thing you've ever seen? He looks at me like I'm the weirdest thing he's ever seen. He said, <laughs> bye, I'm out of here. And he, he goes the other way where his car is. So I'm there alone with this thing again. I'm like, okay, now what do I do? Well, all of a sudden, it raises up out of the parking lot, back into the clouds above, and all the clouds begin to move over very rapidly. So I make a run for my car, get in. I'm like, what in the world was that? So I get out and I begin to uh, to drive. And I know all the streets like the back of my hand, literally. And um, it starts to rain. And this is not an everything is bigger in Texas boast. I mean, in Texas, it can really, in 15 minutes, it can flood yards, flood streets, flood underpasses in 15 minutes time. So we get some really outrageous heavy rains there, but this rain is unlike anything I've ever seen. This rain starts and I cannot see one foot beyond the hood of my car. There are cars angle parked in the street and I can look out my passenger window and I can't see the cars angle parked in the street. Just down. So I turn my, I turn my lights on bright and my wipers on high. They're not doing a bit of good. The windshield's just a deluge, just a waterfall. And, uh, I get right up on the bumper of this car in front of me before the headlights pick it up and I nearly hit it and I stop and they're stopped at a light and you can just barely see the glow of the red light uh, of the stoplight through the rain. And I'm like, my God, this is crazy. I'm going to hit somebody. Somebody's going to hit me. I'm going to swipe one of these uh, cars parked over here, angled park. I said, this is nuts. I don't know what the heck to do. So the light changes and they start around the corner. Well, I realize where I'm at and I'm on Tuig street now, there was a Sears store that faced Beauregard, and the back of it faced Tuig Street, and there was a big parking lot back there for the store. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I said, okay, if I can just creep to that parking lot and get in there, I'll jump out. I don't care if I'm soaked to the bone. I'll go in Sears, go downstairs to the sporting goods department. They had one of the best sporting goods departments on the planet. And I said, I'll just wait out the storm there. So I go around the corner. And I'm, I'm trying desperately to keep from hitting this car in front of me. And somebody runs up on me, almost hits me because they mm. can't see me. And they manage to stop just in time. Their headlights are like inches off my rear bumper. And, uh, and I'm holding onto the steering wheel and leaning over as far as I can toward the passenger side window to try and see the cars that are angle parked on the street so I don't sideswipe them. And as I'm leaned over that way, the rain instantly stops. Now, I don't mean it slacks off. I don't mean it slows down to a drizzle. I don't mean it lets up. I mean, one minute, I can't see one foot past the hood of my car. One second later, there's no moisture from falling from the sky anywhere. There's no, there's not a mist hitting my windshield. Now, it's still overcast, but I can turn the wipers off. I look up ahead of me. Full visibility is returned. I can see for, you know, a mile down the street. I can look in my rearview mirror, see a mile down the street that way. There's not a bit of moisture in the sky, not a bit falling. One second, it stopped. 
Weird. So I'm thinking, okay, now this is something bizarre that I haven't experienced before. And all of a sudden, the people that are in the oncoming lane on our street, people are swerving over and nearly hitting cars in our lane. And people are honking their horns. People are rolling down their windows and pointing up the sky. Some people are, are stopping their cars, opening the doors, getting out and pointing up at the sky. And I'm like, what in God's name? Well, the first thing that goes through my mind is all these weird weather manifestations are because... An F5 killer tornado is right there, and they're pointing up at it, and this is why the rain suddenly stopped, and we're all about to die, and damn it to hell, I'm too young to die. The last minute. So, <laughs> so I look up where they're pointing, and over the back of the Sears building, about 30 to 50 feet above the Sears building, is this shiny silver metallic disc about 30 to 50 feet wide, hmm. just sitting there hovering above the building, no flame, no lights, no smoke, no sound, no nothing, just hovering there. And I literally did a cartoon eye rub. It's like, <laughs> I, I cannot believe this. And I, yes, and I look back up and it's still there. Wow. And so that's what everybody was honking and pointing at. And they had seen it first before I saw it. And I'm like, oh, my God. Now I have to switch denominations. There the some bitch is. It's real. What do I do now? <laughs> so I thought, well, I'm going to get out and look at this damn thing, too. So I reached for my door handle. And as I did, the UFO just barely perceptibly moved, just moved toward us a little bit. And as it did, the low clouds came down from behind it, covered it up. And the second the clouds covered it up, the rain was back again in the full intensity that it was hmm. previously. Didn't start again. Just one second later, it's there in the same full intensity it was before. That's wow. So the guy that was in front of me, I was like, I don't care if I hit this guy. My insurance will cover it. Um, <laughs> and he pulled into the Sears parking lot. And I was like, all right, all right, all right. So I park as close to him as I can. I see him get out and he's running. So I jump out and the rain is hurting it. it it's pelting so bad and I shield my eyes and I run after the sky and the Sears store had a vestibule there. You went in the basement was down to the left and another set of doors and went into the main store. And there was a, a large mat there. You wipe your feet when you go in. So he was just standing there in that vestibule on the mat, looking down at the mat. And uh, I walk in around him. We're both sopping wet and he's dripping water and his glasses are beaded with water and he hadn't even bothered to, to wipe them off to clean them. And I walked around in front of him and he stood there a little bit before he even recognized I was there. And he looked up at me and I said, did you see what I just saw? And he said, yeah, but I damn sure ain't going to tell nobody. And he <laughs> sidestepped me and walked off through the, the store. And you have to understand that that was back somewhere around the 70s. And, uh, you know, if you told anybody you believed in UFOs or ghosts or anything else, you were nuts. You were made fun of. You could lose your job. So uh, the reaction was, you know, yeah, but I'm not going to tell anybody. Yeah. So that was my first UFO experience, huh. and I had to acknowledge, okay, here they are. They're real. They're here. Um, I've had. I mean, I'd rather see that than an F5 tornado. I, I pretty think much so. Absolutely, Josh. Absolutely. <laughs> that was that was much more calming to learn that I wasn't going to be blasted off the face of the earth by an F5. So uh, that was that was the preferable alternative. Yes. Yeah. And uh, then in the same book, Riding with Ghost, I write about a second UFO experience, which was, in my version, uh, my view, even more dramatic. And uh, that occurred while I was living here in Florida. And then since then, uh, over the years, I've thought a lot about this and developed a lot of theories about UFOs. You know, the, the common, um, 
I guess, party line spouted by most people is, well, our space brothers, our UFO brothers, they're come to help us or whatever. And that's kind of the party line that's given out. And the, the rationalization for that is, well, they're so superior, so far advanced, if they wanted to, they could have wiped us out or enslaved us or done whatever a long time ago. And um, there's a lot wrong with that view. If, uh, if our space brothers are so kind and so benevolent and so helpful, why is the world in the friggin' mess that it's in? And why don't we have some kind of help? Why don't we have some kind of assistance? Why don't we have something to, to bail us out of this mess and to help us a little bit? We're in bad shape down here on this planet and have been for a while and have been off and on throughout the world. Agreed. Now, yeah. my argument is, uh, if I see Shane or I see John or I see Josh, I'm driving down the road and any one of you guys are on the side of the road with a flat tire, I'm going to pull over and help. There's nothing in it for me. I'm not going to be rich or famous because of it. I mean, you know, it may even hurt me to do so, but I'm going to pull over and help. I've got compassion. I've got sympathy. I've got empathy. It's within my power to do something. You know, hey, John, do you have a jack? Yeah, but I don't know how to do it, how to use it. Well, I do. I'll, I'll change the tire for you. You know, Josh, do you have a jack? No, I don't. Well, we'll call AAA and I'll stay with you. Make sure you're all right till AAA gets here. Okay. So look, uh, you know, people on this planet, yeah, there's bad people out there. There's hideous people out there, but there's a lot of good people out there. And there's a lot of good people that try and do good and are compassionate and try and help. And I remember Sam Kennison. Uh, you know, the screaming comedian. I love right, Sam right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He was just vulgar as hell and absolutely truthful. Yeah. And I remember one thing he said one time. He was talking about, you know, the film crews go overseas and they film the little starving children out in the street. And he's like, can't the damn cameraman give the kid a sandwich for Christ's sake? <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, really? Yeah. Yes. Come it's on. Real. Yeah. And so... That's my theory on all of this stuff. It's like, okay, if the Space Brothers are benevolent and kind, if they have all this advanced technology, if they can do this great stuff, if they are here to help us, where's the damn help? Okay? It's not there. And uh, so my theory is if there's compassionate beings, like I stopped to help you with a flat tire, why don't they come down and say, okay, look. And my, my big thing is, okay, somebody breaks rank from the Space Brothers, and they come down and they say, look, can't stop the tornadoes, can't stop the floods, can't stop the hurricanes, can't stop the volcanoes. Uh, but here, take this and you can go to St. Jude and you can heal all the little kids' cancer in St. Jude. I can do that for you. Damn hell, wouldn't that be sweet? Yeah, or just but, like, you know, here's, uh, yeah, but, here's all the free, here's, here's how you access free energy. Exactly. Right. Here's how you free access energy. free energy and we solve your energy problems. And, and, you know, anything, any, uh, throw us a bone, but nobody throws us a bone. What do they do? Supposedly they abduct us and do gross experiments on us. Well, if you're abducting somebody that's against their will, that's immoral and unethical. Uh, the cattle mutilations periodically are tied to UFOs. That's illegal, immoral, and ethical. Yeah. Every every way you go down the pike. Yeah, I mean that's and a so, rancher's live, livelihood. Right livelihood there right yeah. there that you're destroying. Yeah, with with no concern, no care. And so I have a lot of problems with the UFO brothers, and I have problems with UFO researchers. We've gotten into a rut. If I see one more special on Roswell, or I see one more special on Rendlesham Forest my head's going to explode. There's new things happening all the time. UFOs are appearing every day and interacting every day. Uh, Paranormal activities occur and manifest every day. Can't we have a new show 
can't we discover something new or get some new insight or, or do something different? Uh, the paranormal researchers, you see them, and I get all excited. I look at the History Channel or Travel Channel, and new, okay, and it's Roswell, and it's the same rehash with one little new thing thrown in. Right, and that's yeah. Like, Damn I mean, it to hell. <laughs> it, it feels like uh, the more you dig into some of these older cases that are very, very well, quote-unquote, documented, uh, the more you find out that a lot of the early documentation was all bullshit anyway. Josh, so exactly right. Yeah, exactly pretty right. Pretty weird. Yeah. yeah. And and then the so the UFO researchers, you know, they go to MUFON conference. They go to Contact in the Desert, all these things. They've got their speaking fees. They sell their books, their own TV, whatever. And so what are they doing? They're rehashing the same thing over and over and over again. It's like, guys, come on. I feel like watching these shows on the paranormal that it's like, you know, I've got 500 channels. Uh, I do radio. I do podcasts. I write books. I read for a worldwide clientele. I do my paranormal investigations. I'm tired. I want to go in. I want to find something fun to watch. What is there? Um, A movie that I saw 30 years ago. And remade yet again. (laughs) Yeah. And it's replayed three times that week. And it's like, my God, is nobody doing anything new? And it's the same way with the paranormal investigations. What's new? What's going on? You know, paranormal things happen to me new and fresh every day. Today I had all these noises and knockings in the house all day long. That's new. Uh, I get new EVP. I'm, I'm pressing to, to study and learn more about that and learn more to make it beneficial to us. And to, what can we do with this? What can we learn from this? How can we help ourselves? But it seems like everybody's kind of stuck in a rut. Yeah, it seems like the uh, like the Rindlesham's and the Roswell's, they know that will sell. Right, yeah. They know right. That, that that'll sell a book, that'll, that'll get some viewers. Um, so why bother with... Anything you know, new or fresh, anything new or fresh or, you know, just as exciting. Like uh, everybody knows Roswell. So you throw slap that on a book or a, a TV show and you're going to get viewers. Yeah. John, exactly right. Yeah. And, and I, uh, and, yeah. And I think a lot of it too is, you know, everybody loves, we are such a society now, mainly in this country where everything's a God, you got to get you. It's got to be a gotcha. It's got to be. Yep. So, you know, if they really knew how boring investigating the paranormal really is you have hours of how much downtime versus what may happen nobody would ever tune in to that shit whatsoever (laughs) you know but but it's hard it's hard because you can't sell that to the average viewer that's just fascinated you know true true yeah Uh, and a paranormal research is extremely hard i always tell people you can't make an appointment with a ufo you know you take what you can get when you can get it and be glad you've got it. And it may take days to get it, it may take weeks to get it. And uh, so, yeah, the average person doesn't understand that. And uh, they expect all this woo woo, fantastic, you know, spectacular stuff. And not everything is that way. Some things are, uh, some things are relatively low key. And that's okay too, yeah. because any communication from the other side should be held in value. Absolutely. You know, it doesn't all have to be a full bodied ghost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if it and if it is legitimate communication from the other side, or however you want to phrase that, right. I mean that's pretty incredible. You know, I mean that's 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 uh, mind blowing. Well, John, it is, yeah, because yeah. think of the energy it takes to manifest 
that communication, right. no matter how small the, that we may regard it or consider it, it still takes a, a tremendous amount of energy to manifest that communication mm-hmm. and to go from one dimension to the other and make that physical and make that happen. It's incredible. And uh, one other thing, a pet peeve of mine I have to talk about of these shows, the paranormal shows on TV, the researchers challenge the spirits and then scream and cry like little girls and run Thank when you. they show up. <laughs> it's like, guys, that's what you're here to do, isn't it? You know, it's like, yeah. so I have a, when I shot the pilot, I told everybody, I said, I'm not going to knowingly lead you into any kind of problems or danger or whatever. And I said, whatever your personal feelings or opinion or biases are or fears are, whatever happens, keep the cameras rolling. Mm-hmm. And I said, yep. now, if I turn around and say, run, then you can run, <laughs> but otherwise <laughs> keep the cameras rolling. And we did capture some amazing uh, paranormal activity on film while we were filming. Yeah, it was really great. Yeah. Yeah. Where was John going? Well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why is John running out into that field? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's, I was, I was yeah. strange when uh, people are like, you know, they're talking to some, I don't know, let's say just uh disincarnate being from the other side. And they're like, flick on the light it's like man i'm you know i i'm like an interdimensional <laughs> being coming like you're asking me to like flip on a like i'm not really i'm not yeah. your, i know like, seriously pony show yeah, you know? yeah. Like, either that or set off the rim pod and they do and they go do it again oh, <laughs> do geez. it again it's like yeah. are you kidding me it's like yeah. you say john a dog and pony show it's yeah. like come on Absolutely. this is a sentient being you're dealing with yeah. that has graced you with a manifestation be damn happy yeah. with that and see what else they might give you and be polite and, and yeah. requesting that, you know, exactly right. And and yeah. I think too, the taunting just amazes me. You oh, got yeah. these people that just think, you know, to be an asshole to ghosts is going to get exactly. them out, you know, come the way on. to go. Have yeah. some respectability for what exactly. that might be. And, and exactly. I, I never got that. I just never, yeah, I, don't know, I never understood that at all. Yeah. They, uh, we're, we're stirring up, we're confronting the spirits. And it's like, you know what, let me, let me tell you an experience I had with spirits. Now I've had probably at this stage of my game, well over a thousand physical paranormal manifestations. And I've interacted with every type of spirit and ghost and nature spirit and entity and weird thing that there is to interact with. And let me tell you, and I've always had a tremendous respect for them always. And let me tell you what happened to me. And if this don't convince you to not fling insults and challenges in the face of spirits, nothing will. I um, was riding my motorcycle down 95 and uh, had stopped at a rest stop. And behind me up to the north, there was a storm coming in and it was still sunny and clear where I was. And the wind was up, but I was like, well, okay, everything looks good. And it's slow moving and I know I can outrun it. So everything's okay. So I stopped at the rest stop and, and uh, relieved myself and had me a soda and had me a snack. And then I said, okay, I'm going to get back on the bike and go. Now, here in Florida, you have to understand, we have three lanes on the interstate. The slow lane, the right lane, people go 80 miles an hour, you know, 10 above the mm-hmm. posted limit. The middle lane is 90 to 100 miles an hour. And the left lane is where people who imagine they're training for the Daytona 500 drive. <laughs> Sounds like Salt Lake. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I get, get back on the bike and head out, and the wind really starts picking up. And the wind gets so bad that, Everybody on the interstate has slowed down to like 45, 50 miles an hour. That's how bad the wind is. Now, to get that to happen in Florida on the interstate is a miracle in and of itself. So 
I'm on the bike and the wind is literally nearly blowing the bike sideways into the adjacent traffic lane. And I've, I've ridden in rain, hail, sleet, snow, high winds, every condition you can imagine on the bike ever since I was a kid. I've ridden on ice, everything. And uh, this is this is boogering me a little bit. It's got me a little bit uneasy. So I'm slowed down and really trying to maneuver the bike and stay stable. And as we're going along, and, and we're about 45, 50 miles an hour then, I look up ahead and the the even though it's clear, the wind is such that the uh, the small trees and, and brush and things are bent over sideways, flat and rippling violently. Mm. And I said, okay, I know that from growing up in West Texas, there's a tornado somewhere or one about to form and I still can't see anything. And as I'm riding along, looking at this, I am picked up with my bike. I'm not lifted off the saddle. Me and my bike are picked up as if from the bottom as one unit and lifted into the air about six inches or a foot. Hmm. And as we're moving forward still through the air, 45 to 50 miles an hour, hovering now, moving forward through the air, the bike begins to turn counterclockwise in the air. Hmm. And my first thought, since we can say this on your show, is holy fucking shit. <laughs> this cannot be happening. No, and that sounds dawned, awful. <laughs> and then it dawns on me that if this thing sets me back down, I'm sideways now to the road, flying through the air, 45, 50 miles an hour. And if this thing sits me down sideways, I'm dead. And 10 cars are going to hit me before they get stopped. And I'm fixing to find out what the other side is like in person. So I'm calling on the spirits, the powers of being, saying, guys, help me out here. Well, this thing rotates me back through the air, almost straight, but still at a little off-kilter angle, hmm. and sets me back down on the highway. And I do all my body English that I can, all the years of experience riding my bikes. And I call on the guys to help me, and I get straightened out, and I'm okay, and I don't go down. And I look up, and here's this funnel cloud snaking down straight toward me. And I'm like, son of a bitch. And man, I downshift and I wick the bike up till the engine screams. I lean down over the tank and I run hot for about five miles. I don't care if there's cops. I don't care if there's highway patrol. I'm not stopping till I get out from under this thing. So I get out from under it and I get down the road and I, I go to this. Uh, I was going to get a tattoo. I went to this tattoo parlor and to me, the most brilliant tattoo parlor ever. It was a bar that had a tattoo parlor. Now, oh, how of much course. Can Genius. That is right? a solid so, business model, I think. I'm telling you. Solid business model, also <laughs> yes. slash recipe for disaster. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean. So, uh, the uh, the uh, tattoo artist is running a Friday the 13th special, which was actually the next day. But she ran it on both sides of Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th has always been my lucky day. So I was going to get my 13 tattoo. And she was doing 13 tattoos for $13. I said, okay. So at this stage of my life, I had made a, a rule that I didn't imbibe while I was on the bike. But I said, well, after the experience I've just had, I'm going to go in and get a beer. <laughs> and I got a beer and I'm waiting for the tattoo parlor to open up. So she opens up and I go in. I start telling her about my experience. We look out the window and across the street is the exact same funnel cloud with the exact same shape snaking across the street straight toward me in the tattoo parlor. <laughs> and I went, oh, my God. And she goes, Huh, looks like it followed you. <laughs> and so it blew on over without harm. I got my tattoo and went on down the road. But the point of it is, huh. if the powers that be 
can pick me and my bike up together. So we're looking at half a ton in weight here uh, combined and can just pick us up, rotate us through the air, look at us like you might pick up an apple and examine it before you buy it and then set it back down. If the powers that be can do that, why would you go and fling challenges and insults and curses in their face when they could just pick you up and toss you out the window if they wanted to? So exactly what you're saying is right. We have to learn respect for the other side, for the spiritual realm, and for these sentient beings. And they're not all human. Some of them are, are beings that were never human. Some of them are nature spirits. Some of them are other things. Some of them have a lot of power. And some of them don't have great senses of humor. (laughs) <laughs> so so we do need to be respectful that is so true we have to be respectful to that yeah. realm yeah that that's amazing and i think it goes back to you know us humans we're not exactly as smart as we think we are and Bingo. i don't um you know i think a lot of times you know if we don't know what something is we doubt something or we don't understand it we're we're gonna poke fun out of a bit and that's probably right. not the right way to go so yeah you know um John, number one, thank you. Uh, the The book, the third book you're writing, what what can we expect off that? What do we entail with that thing? Uh, this is a little departure. It's uh, my, my second book, A Knock in the Attic, starts when I was a kid with that experience and comes on up into adulthood and how I became a psychic paranormal investigator and so on, and a lot of wonderful paranormal experiences in it. The third book is titled 20 Ways to Increase Your Psychic Abilities. Hmm. And it's going to have 20 chapters. Each chapter is different. Each chapter contains a specific uh, spiritual tool or technique. These are things that I have personally learned, experienced, and manifested and had success with during my life that I've learned that I can teach others to do the same. And so the, uh, the first example is the first chapter is on psychometry which is holding an object, getting the vibrations, mm-hmm. the visions, mm-hmm. the energies, emotions from it. And um, so I teach people exactly, step-by-step step in detail, how to learn psychometry, how to do it, and how to get better at it, how to get proficient with it. And then each chapter, each technique, so that it's not just a parlor trick that you go to some party with and go, oh, give me that ring and I'll tell you where you bought it and <laughs> da 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 da. So that it's not a parlor trick. I give you the real world application that extends from learning this technique that you can extend into the real world and help yourself, protect yourself, uh, learn things about, for example, with psychometry. Once you become proficient, you can go to people's houses that you worry about it. You know, is this friend true to me or not? touch an object, touch them, touch something there and learn to read it and learn to to, uh, recognize if they're really being truthful with you or not, or if they're loyal and honest with you or not. So there's real world applications to all these things. And, uh, and we'll get off into some wild territory. We'll get off into Ouija boards and crystal balls and seances and all Mm -hmm. kinds of neat things. And I'll teach you step-by-step exactly how to learn how to do it and have success with it. And then once again, how to take that into a real-world application where you can use it to help yourself and help others. That's amazing. I Looking forward to it. You know, like I said, your first book, uh, Riding with the Ghosts, Angels, and the Spirits of the Dead, very great, well-written, great stories. I love how you paired just the traveling and, and, the, and the biking with it. Um, you know, it's just fantastic. We actually did a session, what, two weeks ago, guys? We did a remote viewing session for the first time. We've never done it. It was just fun to do, you know, right. but you got to keep some things in check on, like, how you do it and what the procedures are. You know, it's not all fun and games. Um, but, right. God, looking forward to a book like that for sure. You know, that's amazing. Um, where Thank can you. people find you, John? 
Uh, they can go to my website, johnrussell.net, and that has information about me, my credentials, client testimonials. That's where you'll schedule a reading if you desire to get a reading with me. Uh, to find out more about the books, you can go to writingwithghosts.net or anockintheattic.net, and there are links there to buy from Amazon, Books a Million, uh, even Walmart, wherever you want to buy online. And uh, if you want to buy directly, you can go to, to Amazon, look it up, or go to Books a Million, Barnes & Noble, they all carry it, and you can enter the search there. Like I say, you can go to my website. Now, if you go to my website for the books, uh, there are links to buy at all of those bookstores and other online booksellers, like mom-and-pop bookstores where you can get it that carry it. Uh, there's uh, the first chapter you can read for free. Uh, there's uh, oh, cool. other things like I just started a YouTube channel now, and there's uh, links to connect to that. Uh, there's um, uh, testimonials, reviews about my books from people that have read it, and also editorial reviews like from uh, Kirkus Reviews and so on and so forth. So all that's at all those websites. So they can go there, johnrussell.net, writingwithghost.net, or knockintheattic.net. Yeah, High, highly recommended. Like I said, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was great. Um, if I you want to go ahead and stand by for us, we'll do some thank yous off there. But everybody, that was John Russell. Uh, thank you so much for coming on Strange Uncles. Much appreciated. You're more than welcome. I've enjoyed it. It's great. Yeah. Hey, John, I just have one quick question. Sure. Um, why Melissa? <laughs> because that's that's what she told me her name was when we met. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. <laughs> And That's I do amazing. believe objects are sentient beings. We talk about intelligence, we assume human intelligence, but there's a lot of other intelligences out there. Well, I got to say, with 114,000 miles on a motorbike, that's pretty goddamn impressive because you don't usually squeeze that much out without some tender, loving care. That's for sure. Thank you. So yep. outstanding. John, thank you very much. Stand by. We'll thank you off there. But uh, everybody, that was John Keel. Close the gates. Nope. That was John Russell. Oh, John Russell. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take uh, that. No, bye, bye. Apologize for that week. Oh my god, I just finished a John Kill book. That's probably why. So anyway, follow Strange Uncles down the rabbit hole of the wild and bizarre as they uncover history that shouldn't be talked about, topics that don't fit into the norm, and conspiracies that sometimes run amok. Find our website at mystrangeuncles.com. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Strange Uncles, or check out our YouTube channel, Strange Uncles Podcast, where we're adding new content every week. Open the gates. Man, you know, I don't know. I I love the guy just because he's down to earth and he's got that biker story mentality with him, which I find fucking fascinating, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like, uh, yeah, no, that was super fun. He was a just down-to-earth guy, like you said. And I feel like uh, he's not the stereotypical medium paranormal investigator kind of guy that you run yeah. into. Yeah, yeah. Even, like, as a psychic, he wasn't like some of the other people we've talked to, you know? Like, he was kind of matter-of-fact, like, yeah, I have this gift or whatever, and I do this thing with it, but, like, I don't, I don't know, whatever. It's kind of you fresh know? air for a change. You know, because, yeah, you don't have this other echelon that you're trying to do, you know. But and I'll tell you, yeah, John, if you want to read the book, it, it's actually really – so for those of you listening, again, John Russell writing with Ghosts, Angels, and the Spirits of the Dead, this was his first one. Um, it literally is like 136 pages. I, I read oh, it in a few hours. Read. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. really – but it's just really – it's it's if you want a book 
that is very layman, straightforward stories. It mixes in the travel. It mixes in. You can tell he has certain loves. You know, riding bikes is one. Booze is another. Like the guy, he just is a very down to earth dude and it's a very easy read so you know recommend it for anybody that's kind of in between and they don't want to dive into say the trickster and the paranormal which is my next one up josh i just have not got to that one yet good luck yeah it's going to be a thing so well i think that just goes to show you that like you know paranormal investigators and psychics and everything you know come from all walks of life Mm -hmm. from all cultures all you know everything so absolutely uh, yeah and i gotta say that i i think you know when you're when we're doing this and and I God how do I say this without sounding I guess jaded you know there's there's people and we talked about it on the on the podcast where you know there's a lot of people out there trying to make a name for themselves and so you maybe they're real maybe they're not it's it's really hard to kind of detach one from another you know are they are they really true to what they want it what they're saying they are what they're saying they see um, but then you have somebody like John. And it kind of turns that upside down on itself, and it's it's refreshing because you know yeah. there's no reason why it would be something for him because he never really you know had that in his life, and then it came, and then it was this, and mm. this is what he had with his parents, and this is just kind of cool, you know. I, I I think a lot of our guests on this show, um, I think probably ninety five percent of them, I I I believe have some realness and, about them. Yeah, agree. Yeah, 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 yeah. like yeah. I feel like we're we're actually like, I, I, and not to take a dig at us, but like you know we're still such a small time podcast that like, I don't know, like, uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I, I just feel well, like the people on our show are just genuine, for the most part. You know, we've had the yeah. couple or whatever, but like, I feel like people on here are just trying to share their story, trying to share their stuff. You know, like. Like John said, you know, he can afford some fries. Like nobody here is making big money on <laughs> right, this. Nobody, right. you know, they're yeah. not the Zach Vanderbags or whatever the yeah. hell the ghost adventure guy is. Well, you and, know, and like, let me clarify that. That's really what I was getting at. Like, you know, we're into this thing and we have interviewers on. Yeah, we have guests, but we also, you know, I watch the shows and I pay attention to the news and you see a lot of that on the high end where you don't know where they're coming from. You know, you know, mm-hmm. whether they're actually, they have the passion for it. They don't. Um, it's just a field in general, you know what I mean? But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, I think we've, I think we've lucked out to be honest with you. Damn. You know, most people we had, we've only had a couple people on that. I like seriously rolled my eyes at. And when it was over, I was like, did we really just do that? You know what I mean? (laughs) Literally, I think only two and at least one of those never aired. So like, (laughs) I'd say we're batting a pretty high average. That's a a huge average. (laughs) Not too bad. Yeah. um, If John listens to this, you know, I just want to thank him for coming on. That was was a lot of fun. Yeah. 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 I'd love to have the guy back on again. Um, It's really, I wish I would have asked him his favorite truck stop question during the interview. Josh reminded me when we were done. I was like, God, yeah, I was like, it. no <laughs> favorite truck that. stop. What the fuck? <laughs> I know I fucked up. Guys. Hey, you know, maybe we'll put it for a clip in the intro. I don't know. We'll see what the editor does. You Save know? it for you Patreon. Know. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see what the editor does. Shame. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe. Shame. Uh, yeah. Oh, fuck. Well, and the thing is, too, and I want to bring make it a point. You don't 
God damn, I will never buy a bike that has 114,000 miles on it. Like it just, you know, yeah. if you're lucky, you know, you're looking at like 20, 30, 40,000 on the high end and that's high maintenance and you better have taken care of that son of a bitch. So that's yeah. just in that realm. It's impressive. You know, yeah, I've got, a well, bike I mean, sitting what's in the, the circumference of the earth? It's like what? 24,000 miles. Like, is that what it is? I don't know. You know, it is the price of rent in New York. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, it's uh, I'm pretty sure the earth is like 24,000 miles around at the equator. So like, uh, do you know, have you ever heard of the musical rent? Yes. uh, Fun fact. um, (laughs) Jeremy took Aubrey and I to that for Aubrey's birthday one year. Uh, Shout out, Jeremy. Um, neither one of us like musicals. <laughs> um, so uh, it was a fun still, birthday. <laughs> Josh, it's 24,901 miles. I was, for once, I was pretty close when it came to like <laughs> spatial <laughs> awareness. <laughs> yes. Instead of trying to say, well, Ireland's like uh, the size of Utah. Yeah, no shit. Oh, that was an argument for the fucking decade. Oh, oh my God, I forgot Utah. all about that. Jesus oh, yeah. Christ. How can <laughs> you forget oh, yeah, about that? Back when we used to really party when we were doing this show. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I will fucking die on this hill. <laughs> God damn it. Well, I don't know if he's done the earth, but he's done fucking something close to it. That's for sure. You know, it's something kind well, of no, cool. that's what I was you getting know. at was the er- the you know, entire circumference crazy. of the earth is 24,000 miles, which is a quarter of a hundred thousand miles. So he's basically yeah. been around the earth over four times on that one motorcycle. Yeah. And I, I think if I remember in the book, I don't remember him talking about doing overnight trips. Like a lot of his trips are just like, he's out early, early in the morning. He's back at night. Like he's not done a, and maybe he has, but maybe not on Melissa necessarily. I didn't catch uh, where in Florida he's at, but I would, eh, I guess now that I'm thinking about the geography, you could get up to, unless he's in Miami, you could get up to Savannah and back in a day probably. Yeah. Florida's not really, unless you're way, way down on the teardrop of it. I think you can probably, transverse that state pretty quick it's not like texas it takes your fucking what 18 days to fucking get past texas jesus I mean, florida's pretty big man uh i started driving across to... texas in 2004 and i'm still you're still texas. driving <laughs> yeah yes. right so anyway fantastic guy i loved having him on um you guys so i think the other thing too i want to talk to you guys about is we've been getting a little bit of feedback on the remote viewing session um again for those of you who aren't patreon if you want to become Patreon, you can at www.patreon.com slash strange uncles. You can actually join our little our little club. Um, we got different tiers for you. Club cults. You be the judge. Yeah, well, future cult member. I'm ordering the shirt. So, But it was interesting. And if you're a Patreon member, we do actually have those live recordings there. And so we've been getting some feedback on that, which... Uh, I don't know. I think it's really cool. I'm hoping to have some experiments, you know, do more with you guys. We do have a trip lined up here towards the end of March uh, that we're going to go to Area 51 with some friends of ours. And, you know, we'll do some recordings out there, I think, out in the desert, see what it is. We talked about it in the last episode. Um, I don't know. You know, we try where we can, I guess, is a you know method of the thing. But if you want to follow us, where's our socials at? Yo, 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 yo. Find us at at strange uncles podcast on facebook and instagram at strange uncles on twitter and um also we have a youtube channel you know if you're ever curious about what we look like none of us really posts a shitload (laughs) on our own personal social medias and 
on the show media it's never like pictures of us and shit so yeah with that being said interesting thank you so much john for coming on um follow us for, for some more guests that we have and then i think actually we go to area 51 we'll be recording the new news episode for april so that'll be rolling out so yeah should be fun maybe we'll catch a vibe up there but do you guys got anything else to wrap up with no no not at all thank you for listening uh um, yeah thanks john yeah, it, uh, read his book. Hit him up. Get a get a reading from him. Yeah, absolutely. The guy. Yeah, the guy's really cool. The guy's really cool. Uh, rate and review. Let us know what you think, and um, hopefully, you know, we're worth your while, and we'll go from there. So, enjoy, guys. Close the gates. Party. <laughs>